1: Contact Mike at Mike Roth at Roth net. or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth.
0: Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth, and I'm here today with Mike Flaherty. Say hi, Mike. Hello, everybody. Uh, Mike is here as a last-minute fill-in for, for Jody uh, Schmidt-Gosling, who... Uh, called in ill a little while ago, and I really appreciate you uh, filling in at the last minute, Mike. Happy to be here. Mike is the uh, general manager of TechWorks, a Cincinnati-based firm that specializes in the central energy plant optimization. I'll read that as heating and air conditioning uh, for most lay folks. Prior to founding TechWorks in 2001, Mike was the general manager of Parker Hannafin's international automation business. His product uh, experience includes Control software for technology for production process equipment. Mike is a, uh, a bachelor of science in mechanical engineering from the Ohio State University. That's uh, is that Columbus or Athens?
2: <laughs> uh, last time I checked, it was in Columbus. Hasn't uh, moved.
0: Okay, good. That's right. the that's the good school. Yeah. Everyone went there. Yeah, that
2: was a good school
0: too. Yeah, it's a good school. Okay, what I should do is uh, tell everyone what the fo- call- phone number to call in is if you want to ask Mike a question. The number is 646-595-4916, and we'll be uh, reading the calls during the commercial breaks. So hopefully someone will call in and they'll have a good question, which is germane, to uh, to what we're talking about. For uh, my regular Sandler clients and people on the outside, for the next four weeks on Monday mornings from 8 to 10, we're going to be doing a special Sandler program called Sandler's Networking Works. This is a program of learning how to make networking really pay for yourself. It will stop you from being uncomfortable in networking situations. You won't be wasting time trying to sell people who uh, will never buy. And it will stop you from using last year's prospecting methods this year and and give you a real foundation and a start for turning networking into strategic alliances and relationships, which will be extremely beneficial. Contact me or comment here in the office if you want to reserve a place for that. Another change in the calendar happening later in June is uh, our cold call camp. We're moving it forward one day to June, Tuesday, June 26th from uh, Wednesday the 27th. Tomorrow's show, it's Matt Van Sant. From the, he's the CEO of the Claremont County uh, Chamber of Commerce, and he's going to be talking about what's happening here in Claremont County and coincidentally, what's happening in the Cincinnati region, I think he's going to be extremely interesting on uh, Monday the 7th, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday the 7th, a week from today we're going to have Roger Roser, and Roger is the CEO of the Eisen Group, that's a creative public relations agency, and he is quite a creative guy, he's going to have some really good things to say. And the following uh, day, on the 8th of June, we're going to have Mike McCormick, he's a, a, a CPA. With many years of experience and Mike is going to uh, tell us maybe some of the secrets of uh, how to get a discount on your income tax from the IRS. Always seems like a good idea. Now Mike, why don't we uh, thought out by uh, you telling the, the folks in our audience how you came up with the idea uh, 11 years ago of starting this company, TechWorks.
2: Certainly uh, going back to that time I had uh, a lot of experience in the area of industrial automation as uh, you covered in the introductory bio, and or I was looking for some new ways to apply all that experience and, and uh, technology that I was that I had, and I became acquainted with a gentleman who's an expert in the field of large uh, heating and cooling systems for institutional and commercial properties, and he was looking for a way to make these properties produce their heating and cooling more efficiently, but didn't know anything about control. And I had a lot of control automation experience, but didn't particularly have a good uh, avenue or a good outlet for it. And so we put our backgrounds together at that time. And uh, we established a business, tech works with the idea that we would make these large central energy plants, those are uh, facilities that have chillers and boilers in them, we would be able to make them run more efficiently and save the owners of the properties a lot of money in their operation and, in fact, uh, be able to justify the investment in a project through the savings that these uh, upgrades and improvements in their facilities would uh, would uh, yield to them. So that's, uh, that was the genesis of the company.
0: So this is something that would be a central heating plant like at Cincinnati CVG?
2: Could be that. Uh, All large institutional and commercial properties, whether they be universities, hospitals, prisons, uh, large office buildings, you you can name it airports, generally are heated and cooled by making water hot or cold in some central location and then distributing that water hot or cold around the property so that it provides a source of heat or cooling um, in more places than just one. So this is the, this idea of using hot or cold water is a, is a common idea. Most people aren't familiar with that because you don't do this in your home too much. But uh, anyway, uh, large properties have these central chill water and hot water plants, and uh, they consume lots and lots of energy. In the case of uh, chill water, it might be as much as 30, 40 percent of the annual electricity cost, and the property heating often takes 75, 80 percent of the. Uh, The gas costs. So uh, these are these are large uh, uh, investments, or let's say large annual expenditures uh, for property owners and managers. And saving them uh, even a small percentage actually yields a a pretty big uh, bottom line savings for them. So uh, the opportunity there is to uh, make that uh, make that improvement, let the property owner get the. Um, reduction in cost and pay for any kind of um, uh, ex- you know expansion or ex- improvement in the facility through through that reduction.
0: Uh, do uh, facility owners get any kind of a, a rebate or a discount from their local power companies for reducing usage?
1: Yes,
2: absolutely. It varies um, by uh, region, by utility, and by state. Um, various states have programs to help. Uh, Companies make investments in upgrading their facilities to save energy, not just in my area of uh, the heating and cooling, but also in things like lighting or whatever it might be to help them reduce their energy costs. So, uh, again, some states uh, have more aggressive programs than others. Some utilities have more aggressive programs than others. But uh, those opportunities definitely are out there, and often the rebates or the rate adjustments that uh, the clients get as a result of making the investment in uh, a project that might involve us uh, is used to help justify the overall cost. So we've had clients make... um, substantial investments in infrastructure improvement for energy reduction and get uh, very significant uh, checks from your local utility and or the state government. uh, Usually the state government, the federal is not into that too much.
0: So off the air earlier today, you shared with me the size of the checks that one of your clients uh, yeah. got back.
2: Yeah, we had a project for a, a large pharmaceutical company um, and uh, the overall project ran a couple of million dollars and they got a rebate from their local utility uh, this is up in the Philadelphia area for almost $400,000. So in fact at that rate it, it took one full year off of their uh, payback. It was very, very attractive for them. We had another project we did in Las Vegas for a couple of hundred thousand dollars but it was saved so much money uh, that the utility gave uh, our client approximately half that money back, $125,000 I think they got for it. So these rebates can be pretty substantial.
0: Mm. So it also sounds like you uh, do work all over the country.
2: That's correct. We do work all over the United States and Canada. Um, We actually have opportunities now that we're working on in Puerto Rico, which is, of course, part of the United States, but also in Bermuda. Mm-hmm. so uh yeah we we get we get around from Cincinnati actually, spend a lot of time on airplanes,
0: okay, well, you're not a pilot, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not some of my clients are right. uh, so when you're uh working with with prospects all over the United States uh, well, first of all, how many people do you have in the company
2: we've got uh fifteen now
0: fifteen people and how many are in the the engineering uh, side of your company?
2: Uh purely in the engineering side, say 12.
0: 12. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty on nice. the technical side, yeah. Technical 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh you're not part of that 12, are you? Uh
2: no, nah, I'd like to think not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Okay. I I have an engineering background, but I don't consider myself an engineer Not
0: on an everyday basis.
2: No, no. So, I'm I'm um, much more comfortable and I can add more value to the company when I'm involved in the business development and running the business.
0: Okay. And how many people do you have in business development today?
2: Really, there's only a couple of us that are directly involved. Uh, I mean, as far as employees, that's probably half my time.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and another gentleman who works at it full time. Um, But uh, we get a lot of our business through developing partnerships with other firms. Um, An example would be uh, performance contracting company or something often referred to as an ESCO. And these businesses exist for the purpose of helping usually businesses, although it can be institutional, government properties, uh, save money on their energy costs. And it might be helping them buy energy more uh, intelligently, more efficiently. It might be helping them use it more efficiently. But they often have branches of their organizations that um, solicit contracts to make improvements to a facility uh, campus, for example, and uh, arrange financing to pay for those improvements through the energy savings. So the idea is that they might spend a couple of million dollars, they may save some um, many thousand dollars a month, uh, and what the ESCOs do for them is allow them to um, pay money that they otherwise would have paid to the utility company uh, to the bank for a note and if they don't save enough energy to want to make up the difference uh, The the ESCO actually uh, makes makes up that difference. They guarantee the savings
0: So what is ESCO? I'm oh, sorry
2: ESCO is energy service company
0: And is that like one one for the entire country? No, or is there's that...
2: quite a few of those around you yeah. yeah. so
0: in different states There would be many different
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there would be there'd be more certainly be more than one um, um another term is performance contractor it, it it just means that the contracts that they generally uh engage in with their clients are guaranteed uh through the, some performance measure in our case energy savings it could also be water consumption savings there's a lot of that we don't get involved in that personally but uh that's that's a that's another way that they might uh, help help a facility owner save money uh, in the process, and then, after the period of the contract is up, um, usually these things run for multiple years, seven to ten years, something like that, then all those improvements are actually still in effect. the The owner of the facility is still um, saving money, um, not paying the loan anymore, and all the money's going in his pocket at that point. but at that point, the performance contract has been out and paid and so forth, so it's a it's a good deal for everybody involved.
0: Good. We're going to take a uh, short commercial break. We're going to listen to a uh, Sandler commercial or two, and then we'll be right back. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never soar. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate like the turkeys if you're serious about growth call me to arrange a confidential meeting 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.net imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal quote or estimate what do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free call you tomorrow with an order get real he's shopping it around to the competition Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth. I'm back here with Mike Flaherty. Um, and again, if you have a question that you want to ask Mike, uh, our call-in number is 646-595-4916. Uh, Mike, uh, a lot of companies uh, don't know what to do about energy today. It's kind of like an uncontrollable cost in, in many businesses. Uh, what role does energy play in most businesses and companies these days?
2: Certainly in the larger Businesses, whether they be private or commercial businesses, uh, energy is playing a more important role. At least planning around energy is playing a more important role. Just a couple of examples Uh, there's a large multinational consumer products company located not too far from downtown Cincinnati, who I happen to have a little bit of information about with respect to their energy expenditures. And one of the divisions. That is about a five billion dollar division spends almost six hundred million dollars on energy in the course of a year it 's so that six hundred million fifty million dollars a month so I think you they're well aware of that, and they are doing things to uh, improve their efficiency and to reduce their demand and taking a lot of steps so they're aware of it, and they are planning around that they are trying to reduce uh reduce their, their costs and do it in an intelligent way. Uh, a large hospital that I've worked at in New York City spends three million a month on energy. So before they ever buy a bedpan or treat a patient for anything, they have three million dollars going out the door to heat, light, and cool the place. So again, a large facility with a large expenditure and they too are trying to do smart things to reduce their use of energy. So, and the bigger entities there definitely is uh, it's clear because it is such a big amount of money uh it's clear that they need to do something about it. It's clear that they assigned people to it uh to uh, pay attention to this and come up with ideas. But as you start to go down to smaller and smaller businesses, they seem that they have less control over uh matters and they don't have the they don't have the resources. or certainly haven't dedicated the resources to trying to reduce their energy cost as much.
0: So is this a situation where,
2: uh,
0: in energy use, if you have uh, consolidation of of many facilities, you you can get economies of scale? Clearly,
2: yes, that that, that does help, especially in things like uh, administrative functions. Data centers are a huge consumer of electrical energy for powering the computers and for cooling those computers. In fact, that's their biggest expense. They, sure. the, the hardware, the, the cost to buy a server uh, compared to the cost of cooling it and powering it breaks even at two years. Really? So after two years, they spent more money to power and cool uh, a, a server than they spent in the first place to buy it. So you can well appreciate that uh, they, they pay attention to those kinds of things, and consequently... Uh, that's an example of a kind of business which would would want to try to um pay pay attention to that but when again when you get down to the smaller entities they they don't have the same type of uh bills and they consequently they also don't have the same type of focus on the problem
0: mm so what what kind of electrical bill or energy bill uh would be a, an interesting possibility for your company
2: generally The cost of a project uh, compared to uh, the cost of the savings is we we can save them twenty to fifty percent of their cost on the part of the overall site that we work on. So, and normally that would mean somebody spending four to five hundred thousand dollars a year and more. So, in for example, in that episode I quoted earlier, example I quoted earlier where the company was saving uh got the check for $400,000. That was about a year's worth of expenditures just just for them. And that was the savings, actually. Their their bill was around a million, and they saved about 400000 a month.
0: Hmm. I'm going to have to have you talk to uh, D- D- Greg Kroll, who uh, did a show with us about a, w- a week ago. He's got uh, some tremendous number of properties here in the eastern Hamilton County area. Okay. They're all not contiguous, but print, that's that's a different different problem. Well,
2: there are a lot of things people can do to save energy, even in small properties. Just simple stuff like turning out the lights and and all these things that you read about on you know or, or see the commercials. The question is getting people to buy into it. And often, when the people that are using the electricity aren't the ones paying for it, they have less interest in trying to to do something about it. So mm-hmm. this is another problem with uh, smaller entities that uh, they they rent, maybe rent on a property, and they don't pay the bill, so they don't care if they leave the lights on. But one, just one example. Yeah, or it's bundled into the rent. Or it's bundled in, right? They don't care where they set their thermostat in the summer or the winter, and as a result, um, you know, they, they don't care. <laughs> so that when energy gets wasted. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I want to go back to this uh Aggregator, I'm going to call them the guy who the contractor that comes in and performance
2: contractor. Performance
0: contractor. Uh, What percentage of your business comes in through performance contractors, and what percentage do you guys develop uh, on your own?
2: It's these days, it's about half and half. Uh, The performance contractors uh, are a good source for us because they. Actually provides a sales function in a sense. They have their own sales forces out uh, soliciting business, trying to develop relationships with their customers. And when they, if we have a relationship with that performance contractor, and they get a potential project, they invite us in to uh, look at it, and participate in in the process. So they act as a as a, a sales agent for us in many ways, and that's one of the reasons that we've been able to grow with not a lot of bodies on the street of our own. We try to develop those relationships and have them give us the leverage that their own sales organizations provide.
0: Uh, So, you know, on a national basis, since you work on a national basis, how many other firms are there that do kind of the same thing that TechWorks does?
2: Well, as far as somebody actually trying to do precisely what we do and make a business out of it, there's really only one other firm. Uh, The biggest competition that we have is people just doing things the way they've always done them. Do nothing. Right, or, or taking steps that they think are effective or and, and really aren't. Um, Maybe are, you
0: can give us an example of that.
2: Well, they'll they'll tell us that uh, they're, they're for example um, they test their boiler every year and their or their chiller every year and measure its efficiency against the specs that the manufacturer uh, published for that particular piece of equipment. And when they do that, they'll find that the efficiency of the unit is within spec. It's it's what it's supposed to be, and for their purposes, that's enough. They think that they're uh, being efficient and they're really doing the right thing. That's a good thing to do, there's no argument about that, but what makes more so, what you have to keep in mind is uh, they may be not running the boiler or the chiller at the right time. They may be running it more often than they need to. They might be running it at a temperature which isn't really very efficient. Uh, all the equipment there might be nothing wrong with, but the context in which they use it is uh, can can stand a lot of a lot of improvement. They could run it less. They could run it more. There, there's, there's different things you can do. You can run certain pieces of equipment with other pieces of equipment to give you an overall lower uh, performance, uh, ener- or better energy performance, and these are the things they don't do. So they think they're making the right, st- they think they're making all the steps, mm-hmm. and in fact, they're not. They're not usually doing dumb things, although we do see that, but uh, con- you know, when they tell us they're doing something like that, and then they believe that that's enough, uh, there's an opportunity there, for sure.
0: So... so- what 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 a business that made ice. We have a client that makes ice. It mm-hmm. uh, makes uh, say twenty tons of ice a day. Uh, have much use for your services?
2: Uh, I, I'd have to look into that. Most of the uh, they have
0: big coolers on their roof to get yeah, rid.
2: of Right. I I honestly don't know. Most of the work that we do is involved in what we call comfort cooling. Comfort cooling is the cooling that you provide to a facility to keep people comfortable. It means air conditioning to most people, which mm-hmm. is really nothing more than lowering the temperature of the air so the water falls out of it so you don't feel like you're as, as warm. And um, the reason why that's in a, a market is because the that's not a constant load. It's, there's people in the building part of the day, and there's computers on, and there's not people in the building other parts of the day, and so this fluctuation in the amount of cooling or, or heating as an analogous thing is really where the opportunities are because you have to continuously do things as these demands change in order to be efficient overall. You can't set things at one level and for one type of condition and just leave it go, and it. You know, it'll be it could be kind of like the old uh, the joke about a, a stop clock is work, is is right twice a day. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so there will be a few times of the day that 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 preset value is going to be efficient, but all the other times it's it's going to be inefficient. So the idea is to keep after that on a continuous basis so that the uh, overall efficiency is is as good as it can be all the time.
0: Yeah, that was that was a problem in the ice making business. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you, you got to make more ice every day, all day, especially in yeah. a hot summer season like we've right. uh, just been having.
2: Yeah, and that, it can be a very complicated process, to say the least. So it's uh, it's it's really a very challenging engineering field, and uh, which is why a lot of people don't do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, here in the Ohio area, Cincinnati Business Talk. Yeah. Are any of the utility companies giving uh, rebates for companies being highly efficient? on energy usage uh
2: they there are some rebate programs available um, the they have a tendency to be simplistic and for a number of re- actually some good reasons uh in other words, if you put in more efficient lighting, they'll give you a rebate mm-hmm. and that's a simple thing it's a simple thing to uh, identify it's a simple thing to actually implement and it's a simple thing for for the utility company to measure so those kinds of programs have a lot of appeal when you get into something for example like optimizing a, a, a large chilled water plant that takes more analysis up front. it takes more cast cost of capital mm-hmm. to get it done it the Measurement and verification of the results is more difficult, but the rewards are greater. So you can get uh, re- rebates for those kinds of programs, but they're they're more involved and but, they, they take a long but time. But
0: our local utility companies are offering programs. They do offer
2: some things like that. They call them custom measures because it's not something that's off the shelf. You have to design a project, submit it. They've got to review it, go back and forth on it. But, but yes, you can get there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Our larger users in, in the area, whether it's a hospital or a manufacturing facility, mm-hmm. can't get rebates by becoming more energy efficient.
2: That's correct. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Good. Uh, before I go on with the next question, what we're going to do is take a uh, another short commercial break. I think we'll listen to a uh, a La rule, and uh, we'll be right back after that.
3: professional salesperson is always going to the bank, always thinking about going to the bank. So let's talk about some of the things that may be holding us back. Uh, it's been my experience down through the years that a lot of salespeople will engage in almost any activity necessary, uh, perhaps to, uh, to think they're build, building relationships or they're out there trying to show a prospect, how, how much they know, they do a lot of educating. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes they're not even in front of the right prospect, which which is a huge problem. They're busy doing proposals and quotes and demos and samples and bid work, uh, perhaps to unqualified prospects. And then they wonder uh, how come they're not producing the results that they want to do. And let's face it, sales is money. Uh, If if you're in sales for any reason other than to want to make money, you may want to take a look at, at why you're doing this. Obviously, we need to prospect, we need to prospect a lot. We know that some salespeople don't enjoy that, Uh, but if you don't get in front of enough of the right prospects, you're going to struggle going to the bank. Typically, when I schedule an appointment with someone, I want to know why I'm going there when I show up and I'm in front of a prospect, why am I there, okay? And both of us need to know, if it's one-on-one, what's the purpose of this meeting, okay? Uh, It is to qualify or to disqualify. So if I'm in a longer selling cycle, I'm qualifying or disqualifying to see if I've got a second or third or subsequent meeting. Uh, If I'm in a one-call-close business, I've got to get a decision, yes or no, are we going to work together? Uh, But I've got to make sure that I'm asking the right questions to get the results that we need. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of salespeople do telling instead of selling. Ask yourself that question, am I selling, am I telling? How much of my time am I spent educating, uh, giving away the wrong information and, and ultimately walking away with some kind of a platitude that says, hey, looks good, we'll get back to you. So, take a look at your activity, where are you spending your time, are you doing it correctly, is it paying off for you? Make sure you know why you're there, and that's to, to, to produce the results to go to the bank.
0: This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Mike Flaherty. Let's uh, uh, ask a, a kind of direct question, Mike. You know, your, your business has seen uh, a lot of growth in the last year or two. Yes, People are interested in saving energy, yes. saving money on their electric bill. Uh, are you adding people to your company now?
2: We are. We are.
0: What type of people are you looking for?
2: Principally, we're looking for two types of people. Uh, the, the biggest problem we are having going forward, the big, two biggest problems we're having going forward is to be able to effectively uh, seek out the people that are interested in this kind of work and engage with them in to figure out whether or not we have we can make a project for them and help them save money so essentially sales or business development and then the other good problem that we have is that we've been successful and consequently we have new projects that are coming about we have older projects that we have to look after and so forth so we need technical people Principally in the area of controls engineers that are able to take the problem that we're presented with by the client and turn it into a control-oriented solution to help them run their their plants more effectively.
0: So that means that some of the projects that you do uh, continue on, but beyond the in quotation marks, completion point?
2: Yes, that's and, true. Mm-hmm. It's it's very typical that the client wants us to maintain a service contract, for lack of a better term, with them. So they want us to look in on their uh, system after we leave to make sure that it's still performing well. And if we spot any problems of any sort, that we contact them and let them know what things are, uh, could be that might be going wrong and what they can do to prevent uh, any sort of downtime or make sure that their energy efficiency stays where they want it to be and where we've told them um, that we can. We also have to monitor these projects after the fact because in examples of these performance contracts, there's guarantees established. So they've guaranteed a certain type of um, kilowatts per per unit of cooling, and we have to measure that and turn those results in so that they can go to the uh, client and, and, and justify, not justify, but certainly verify that uh, the guarantee they've given is being met. So we have we have ongoing relationships with them. We have to go back often because they add new people and people need to be trained on what's going on. There's there's a host of reasons why we would need to maintain that relationship.
0: Uh, so, Mike, you know what we forgot to do is we forgot to have you tell the folks who are listening how they can find out more about TechWorks and how to get a hold of you or your people. Uh, directly.
2: Well, probably the easiest way is to look for us on the, the web. Our address is Techworks.us. Techworks is spelled T-E-K-W-O-R-X, and it's Techworks.us. We couldn't get Techworks.com. Some um, some guy in Canada had it, and he's not using it for anything, but he won't sell it to us. So we opted like it. for dot, dot .us uh so that's that that's an easy way of course to look uh into what we do and get a, a good picture of what our activities are, our experience are, kind of clients we deal with and so on. So if
0: someone wants to call and if
2: they want to call uh, our our main number is uh area code 513 533 4777 and we're in Cincinnati so we're on eastern standard time, or eastern daylight time. This so time of year.
0: you know since the show can be heard all over the world, uh have you ever done work internationally?
2: No, I, technically I Canada is international, but I mean North America is really uh, our reach at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, now, tell me how you see the marketplace. Is it expanding, standing standing still, or contracting?
2: The market for what we do is is definitely growing. Uh, it's it's a relatively new idea. Uh, that's probably why there's only a couple of companies that are really trying to make a make business in this specific area so uh, it's it's really it's really growing it's not uncommon for us to in fact let me say it differently it's pretty typical for us when we first contact somebody about what we do and what their needs might be that they are not doing anything in in the area of of central energy plan optimization they they're not doing anything at least on the scale that we're doing as i commented a little bit earlier they're doing a few things and they're trying they're trying not to do dumb things most people are at least of that persuasion they're trying to not just let equipment run when they know they don't need it to run and okay. those those kinds of but that does happen. I mean, there are there are plenty of places we go where that does happen. But, I mean, most people are at least trying to do the basics right, but they're not doing anything to really take it to the next level and optimize it. So, consequently, to answer your question again, the market is definitely going up.
0: So, what's the difference between uh, a company uh, using your services and using their, uh, their supplier for the uh, cooling towers?
2: Well, the... That's but one. The cooling towers are but one component of the overall system, because systems are usually made up of things like chillers and boilers and cooling towers and pumps and there's a number of different pieces of equipment. The the way that these plants operate is there is a control system that's orchestrating the operation of all those various pieces of equipment so that they produce heating or cooling, hot water, cold water, steam. We also get involved in steam plants. But get concepts the same.
0: So someone like uh, the train corporation that makes some of the components doesn't make the whole thing? They don't make them
2: all, no. They normally would have a control system from a control system supplier. Well-known suppliers would be companies like Siemens.
0: Siemens, Johnson. Johnson
2: Controls would be another one. Uh, There's a number of other companies, but they're not the sort of household names that Siemens and Johnson are.
0: But the Siemens and Johnson's. Don't make the cooling towers, the motors no, they the don't. chillers
2: no they, it's it's an integration effort. in fact, that's a term used for those kinds of companies system integration they They take all the pieces, put them together and into a system, and have them produce uh, a in this case heating or cooling. So when they do that, the general approach that the control companies use is what we call make it work. That is, they make sure that the equipment is functioning properly, as one fellow from one of those companies told me, so we turn things on, and we turn them off, and we make sure they don't blow up. Uh, Mm -hmm. They make it work. They make sure that there is cooling or heating, and the rule of thumb is, on the hottest day of the year, they want to make sure they still have what they need. So Mm -hmm. they design around that, as opposed to designing around making it run efficiently. Efficiently is is another step. It's another level of technology. That's what we do, and that's where the difference comes out.
0: So something like at CVG where they've uh, essentially mothballed several terminal buildings, mm-hmm. uh, would that mean their uh, central plant has to be re-optimized because now they've reduced the number of buildings and square footage that they're it, uh
2: Yeah, it had. could be. It could be. It dep- I, I'm not pr- pr- uh, personally familiar with that system over there, but uh, it, it, it's more than likely that as a result of that consolidation that they've gone through, that there will be some adjustments that need to be made. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the system would seem to be terribly oversized if it could handle three extra buildings, and now they shut down yes. the buildings.
2: And that's that's a that's a good point. That's a common problem in in all branches of engineering and science, and you know, where the, the safe approach is to build something bigger, stronger, more, whatever, than you actually need so that you've got yourself covered. And while that's that's an approach and it can work, uh, the problem from what's called a physics point of view is most equipment doesn't run as efficiently when it's running at, the, at part of its capability than when it's running at all of its capabilities. So when you over-design something, you can imagine just, Imagine taking a ten-ton dump, ten-ton dump truck, and using it for your family car. I mean, you're gonna—it'll work, <laughs> but uh, your gas efficiency is going to not be very good because you, you're not—you're using that vehicle in such a small part of its of its overall capacity. And that's the same thing is true for these types of systems.
0: So, a facility that's downsized mm-hmm. recently actually could be a, a great prospect that's for right. you mm-hmm. because. They have excess capacity over engineering
3: mm-hmm.
0: and figuring out a new, more optimal way to operate at the new capacity that
2: they have. Yes, the new
0: need level uh, can result in energy savings.
2: Yes, and we, in fact, have business like that. Uh, some of the pharmaceutical facilities that we've done in the up in the northeast uh, are, ex- are good examples of that. They moved a lot of people and you know, testing and so forth offshore. Uh, they're left with these campuses. We have a lot of buildings on them. A lot of them aren't being, are, are no longer occupied. Uh, and so that presents some challenges that uh, has resulted in business for us. So we like to think about the positive expansions of a business rather than the contractions. But uh, well, it's for good you, business. Or, yeah. for you it works both ways. Yeah, then. absolutely. It sure does. Yeah,
0: yeah okay. And uh, when people are expanding, adding more buildings to a a campus. Same thing. Same thing. Same
2: kind of opportunity. Different problem, but the same general idea. It's an opportunity to do things more efficiently, or certainly if you don't take the right steps, you're going to do things less efficiently as you grow.
0: Certainly when you expand a central heating and cooling plant, uh, if you don't have the the land next to the existing plant, where do you put the extra equipment to inside the footprint.
2: Well, that's those are all ch- challenges. That's why uh consultants get paid the big money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. And and you guys do some of that work.
2: We we ha- yes, we help. We help we help in the early stages of giving the consultant consulting engineers the design engineers direction on uh, the general approach they should take. And then at the end, we help with actually orchestrating that equipment so that it works more efficiently. Yep.
1: Now,
0: in doing these designs, do you use software that you guys yourselves developed, or is it software that you bought uh, from another vendor?
2: No, we, we use standard products, standard control uh, equipment products and software, but all of the um, Actual programs are created from those products, and they're all custom and pr- pr- they are they're intellectual property
0: okay, so you're going to create a separate program for each client
2: yes that's correct we, we've, we've built up some libraries that are for specific tasks within the overall system, and mm-hmm. then uh, what we might then what we would do is combine these various libraries to make a project for a specific client for a specific plant and these plants are many and varied in their uh their design and their their problems so that it's while the building blocks are the same as much as possible in any given circumstance we combine them very differently depending on whether we're controlling you know, uh, uh, and then an uh, an automotive plant, or a prison, or a casino, or a whatever. We-
0: when you when you're creating these uh, control systems for major facilities, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to answer this question if, if the answer is uh, a secure answer, uh, <laughs> are you building in uh, security so a hacker or a, uh, uh, a nefarious person <laughs> can't get in there and uh, turn the heat on in the middle of the summer? <laughs>
2: That's actually a very good question.
0: Uh, I've been accused of that before. Yeah. I, uh,
2: no, that, that's a very good question. It's funny that regardless of who the client is, they view their own ins- individual situation as the most important and the most unique in the whole world. And we've heard the same thing from lots of different types of businesses, uh, which is we have to be secure. And if you're going to the, often they they want us to uh connect these systems to our offices back in Cincinnati so that we can remotely view what's going on and help them with problems and as I said, do some of that verification I talked about before, but when they do that, they are very sensitive to uh how much access you actually have and there are some facilities which flat out won't grant it to you uh for i t reasons and there's some that uh We'll take different steps to make sure that uh, it's it, it, you can get in, but it's still secure. And it might be we we did three prisons out in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let us have access because I I don't know they thought we were gonna let all the prisoners loose or something. Or uh, but th- that was that was a huge problem. And what they wound up actually doing in that circumstance was giving us a connection through a cable but they took the cable out of the wall unless we were online with them. So if they had a problem, they'd call us up, and we got on the telephone with them, then they plug the cable in, and we could do something and they'd un- un- unplug it. That's an example. The casinos, no way do they let you have remote access. The drug companies, some do, some don't. I mean, it's so, it, but each guy will tell you, you know, wow, we're, we have this, you know, really unique situation and you can't say so you can't come in. You know.
0: So are you, are you doing any of the casinos here in the state of Ohio?
2: Uh, yes, we just, coincidentally, uh, we just uh, finished uh, the uh, one in uh, Toledo that was, I think it just opened up last over the last weekend. Yeah, it did. Up, yeah. And uh, we did that one. And we did uh, when the uh, Hollywood, uh, what was formerly the Argosy, uh, went through a major renovation over there, we did that one as well. And we've done several in Las Vegas and several in Atlantic City. Casinos have been, uh, had been a pretty good business as the, economy went down, and their business went down. That that business uh, went down as well. But uh, yeah, we've got a lot of experience with casinos.
0: Good. We're going to take a, a short break, and we'll be back in a moment. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is, they're salespeople. Have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me Mike Roth at five one three six four six six five two three, or check our website at rothconsulting dot net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back here with Mike Flaherty. Mike, uh, I always like to ask this question. You know, s- simple solutions to complex problems are rarely correct. Well, that's our thesis. So maybe you could tell the folks about a complex problem you've encountered in your business. It could have been a marketing problem. It could have been a, an engineering problem and a complex solution that you guys devised that maybe other people can use that complex solution in their
2: world. Well, we face a lot of complex uh, challenges from a technical perspective in the systems that we devise. Uh, I think Though, in a small business, the most complex problems are, are business problems and not technical problems. They have to do with growing a business, funding it, you know, getting your name out, marketing, and all that sort of thing. So, I would say that the, the probably the most complex problem we've had is trying to find the right kind of people to join our team. And getting them to a point that they can be productive for us. Mm-hmm. Uh we have a, a unique business. I know, as I just cut through saying a few minutes ago, that everybody thinks they have a unique business. But our, our and our, our uniqueness is that we need people that are skilled in a couple of different areas. So we need to, when we look for new people, we found that we can't find people that are skilled in both areas. With this is area of mechanical engineering, this these heating and cooling plants, and then the other area is the uh, control programming that needs to get done to make them work right. So we can find people that understand the plants, we can find people that understand the engineering, the control engineering. We can't usually find people that are are, are skilled and are knowledgeable in both. So that that that's a particularly complex problem for us as a small company. So the we we took a couple of different approaches. Uh, we tried hiring people that only knew the controls and. Teaching them the mechanical side, we tried hiring people that uh, are uh, know know the mechanical side and didn't know anything about the controls, and tried to teach them that side. And we found that there were challenges on both sides, both ways of doing that. So we took the other approach of another approach of uh, just hiring somebody who didn't really know anything about either either field, but was young, uh, let's say freshly uh, educated. I'll, Leave it that way, mm-hmm. and green but eager, and we went with uh, uh, the idea of somebody that was uh, just really had lots of good potential. So, the, the the solution that we came up with really that and that worked out for us. It took us it took us a while to get the person up to speed, but we found that if we went to the the edu- the schools here locally, there are several good places to find uh, candidates, and look for people that at least had the right. General technical aptitude, but we focused more on the the personal characteristics, the energy, the people that seemed to have initiative, that had more sense of self-responsibility, that had demonstrated one way or another that they certainly weren't work, uh, afraid of working hard. Those kinds of things. We looked for those kind of things in their background. We looked for people with. We, integrity is a big part of what we do and I know for everybody, but our people are on the road a lot, they travel a lot so they're unsupervised a lot, it was important for us to know that we had somebody we could trust when we put out there, they'd be honest, they'd show up for work, uh, et, cetera, et cetera. so we started going through the process Did you
0: do any profiling on the we, team? We
2: started going through the, issue, the idea of profiling finding people with the right kind of characteristics, uh, looking for people that had strong family backgrounds that you know, couple of easy questions in the interview. Tell us about your relationship with your mother and father and, you know, your sister and brother and those kind of things. I mean, just looking for people that had positive uh, spin on their life, positive spin on their relationship with uh, their family, that was an example of that. Uh, People that worked their way through college uh, or had jobs while they were in college. So the the complex, it would be easy just to do the, you know, look on the bulletin boards and do the resumes and, 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 and go that approach. But we found that the more the complicated, time-consuming, and frankly costly process was to take the approach I, I, I talked about of, of the personal skills, characteristics, and so forth, and develop them, and that's worked out for us.
0: Yeah, we've, we've developed a, a whole series of profiling models uh, where you can take your most successful people and create a profile model to compare new people to that. Mm -hmm. So you get people of uh, equal skills and competencies to dramatically improve the company. Mike, in the last few minutes of the show here, is there anything particular that that you want to mention?
2: Well, I want to thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Okay. I I really want to thank you again for being a guest at the last minute. For those of you who are regular listeners, uh, I will announce hopefully tomorrow... When we've rescheduled uh, Jody's uh, show for, and that's,
2: uh, I'll I'll leave it with I think the economy is looking pretty good, and I think people should be optimistic about the future.
0: Yeah, that's great. That that mirrors a, what a lot of us are feeling. Uh, Scott, why don't you take it away?
1: Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at mike.roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at five one three seven five three Nine four zero zero.